Uh, hear this word from Galatians 5:25 through 6:10. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to Galatians uh, chapter 5. Uh, we'll be in uh, 5.25 through 6.10. It's kind of where we're at. I, but I do have to say, before I start, I have never, never preached a sermon with a guy in a referee shirt and a whistle, like three rows, four rows back. So sometimes I just I say something wrong, just, you know, call the foul, blow the whistle. We'll start over, whatever we got to do. But it's, it's a little, I just got to say, I'm a little thrown off right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Galatians, uh, we're, we're ending our series uh, this, this morning, and really uh, what we've, we said throughout the series through Galatians, the no other uh, series, we said we want to do two things. One is define what the gospel is, what is the center of our faith as Christians, what matters to us, right? And, and what we said is that the gospel is that through the death and resurrection of, of Jesus, uh, you, are, you are welcomed into life with God by faith, not because of anything you do or accomplish in your life, but through faith, through trusting Jesus' work done on your behalf, you can come into the kingdom of God, which is all of grace. Um, but the second thing we wanted to do through the series is say, well, if that's true, like if that's our, the center of who we are as a community, as a church, what kind of community should that, that create? And most of the series, we've, we've probably focused more on goal one because of uh, just the fact that the Gospels, a lot of people are confused by what the Gospel is. There's a lot of, of so we wanted to make sure we get that right, pre- preach that very clearly. And we've peppered throughout the series little bits of well, what kind of community should that create in us. Um, but this morning is really, it's all the community piece. That if we, be, if we, everything we said the Gospel is, if we believe that as a church, what kind of community should we, should we be? What kind of, how should we act? How should we, we speak to one another? How should we operate? What should our calendars look like with one another? And I think behind all those questions is kind of the real question, which is, is gospel community, is it different? Like, is the community that we have here, is it any different than, like, your hobby group that you'll, you'll be at this week? Right? Is it different than um, the people you play golf with? Is it different than your family? Like, how is, how is this community different? Or are we just like a really long-standing kind of strange book club? Is gospel community different? 
And I'm sorry, I mean, obviously, you probably expect me to say this as a pastor. I'm just going to put my cards on the table now. Yes, I think, I think what happens here is fundamentally different than any other group you're a part of, any other community you're a part of, any other friendship group you're a part of. There's something unique here that should make this a very different type of community. A community that's, that's so important, it's worth setting up and tearing down every week. It's worth sitting in a room where you're probably going to have a solid layer of, of sweat in the next 30, 40 minutes. It's 76 degrees in here. I brought my meat thermometer this morning just to test it out. It's about 76, according to my meat thermometer. But it's worth it. Gospel community is, even when people, and the people around this, this room will let you down at some point, even when they let you down, gospel community is worth it. And so as Paul brings his, his letter to the Galatians uh, to a close, he's going to lay out a lot of commands about what gospel community should look like. Um, and, and how I want to break down what he says is, is in three ways. Is first, I want to I start with why I think gospel community is better. Like why the, the, what we're trying to do here is different than every other group you're a part of. Why gospel community is better, uh, what gospel community is, and how you get it. So why it's better, what it is, how you get it. So first, why, why is gospel community better? Why is it the best kind of community, in my opinion, you can be a part of? And to answer that question, I want to start with, with actually kind of the negative case. And before, uh, our chapter divisions aren't super great here um, between Galatians 5 and 6. Really, verse 25 and 26 kind of lead us in to these imperatives about how the community is supposed to look like as a church. And so Paul, uh, he says this, as he begins kind of a launch into what gospel community should be, he says this. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In verse 26, it's actually, it's a really brilliant verse because it, in sort of a very, very summarized way, it lays out the two primary ways that we, like, we destroy community with one another. And Paul says, listen, don't do three things. Don't be conceited, don't provoke one another, don't envy one another. And so what does he mean? What are those three, those three things? Well, conceit and provoking one another, they both speak to a pretty common theme anytime you get people together, which is that eventually someone's going to start thinking that they are better than someone else. And so literally the word, uh, uh, don't provoke one another, it means to challenge someone to a contest. Right? To, to, to Almost to make a gamble with someone. And the only reason you would ever challenge someone to a contest or gamble with someone is if you're convinced you're superior to them, right? For example, uh, we have, uh, there's like two pastors on staff that like the NBA at Christ Community, and I was talking to a couple of them, and we were talking about the, uh, a series that happened in the last series, which was uh, the Celtics and uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, and me and another pastor, uh, we started going back and forth. He thought the Sixers were going to win, I thought the Celtics were going to win, and, and I was just like arrogantly self-righteous from him, because I'm from Indiana, and we know more about basketball than every other state. Kansas might be a close second, but the reality is you're not. You're just, Indiana's up here, everyone else is kind of down there. It's where Hoosiers came from, this, is, this should be obvious to everyone. And so I was just like, you, you name the, the amount, let's gamble, let's bet on, and we didn't really gamble, we're pastors, um, or at least if, I, if we did, I would not tell you that we did. Um, but I was right, right? I, I, the Celtics take, took the Sixers out in, in five games. But, like, I just had this thought of I'm superior to you in my basketball knowledge. So I have no trouble right now uh, uh, provoking this into a contest. And, and that happens in community often is that we, we begin to think in some way, oh, I'm better, I'm better than that person at this. And the trouble with that is the moment, the moment you begin to feel superior to anyone 
Uh, community is not possible. The moment you feel yourself superior, there can be no community. There can only be disappointment. There can only be frustration because other people aren't living up to your standards or disappointment because they didn't meet your standards. Until one of two, th- two things happen. Either uh, you finally get the power, right, and you get in charge and, uh, and you realize how difficult it is actually to, to lead. Or two, you just leave. And so, listen, if, and here's the deal. Everyone in this room, if you're honest, you felt this way at some point, probably about someone in this room. Oh, I know more than them. Community group leader, community group, someone in your community group. And the moment you begin to, to feel superior, you provoke. There's no community. So that, that's the first angle Paul takes. But then the second thing he says is, and do not envy one another. And this is the, this is the reverse of superiority. This is inferiority. That's envy is, is when you want what someone else has or you want to be who someone else is. And this is a common theme in, in the church. And I hear this a lot as a pastor. People who say, you know, like, I don't, I'm not good enough to be here. I'm, t- I'm too much of a sinner. I, don't, I, I mean, I look at the people around me. I don't measure up. I'm not quite like them. I'm not as successful as they, they are. And just like the moment you begin to feel better than other people, superior to others, the moment you begin to feel inferior to others, there can be no community. You're probably not going to be willing to be honest. You're probably not, not going to be comfortable. You're going to feel like other people don't want you here, like you don't fit, fit in. So the two great destroyers of, of any community, and like not just church community, just any community, it's, it's inferiority or it's superiority. And so if you had to like reflect, which is more true of you? Let's think about that for a second. Ask ourselves some questions. That, that one... How often do you find yourself criticizing other people? Or how often do you find yourself just picking arguments with others? Is it easy for you to get down on other people when they don't live up to your expectations? Or when others criticize you, do you find yourself defensive and fighting back strong? Do you often think, man, I'd never do what that person did? If that resonates with you, you probably need to you need to take Paul's admonition to not provoke, to not think yourself superior, to not be challenging others in your mind or, or really uh, to a contest. Or on the other side, do you, do you completely avoid confrontation? Is it easy for you to get discouraged and very defensive? Do you look at others and think, man, I, I could not accomplish what they've accomplished? Or do you find yourself withdrawing from others, not spending time with others because you think yourself inferior to them, that you aren't good enough? You look at the way others parent or the way they're successful in their career and do you withdraw? Do you, do you, do you pull back? If that's you, then you probably you need to do away with envy. You need to stop feeling inferior. And, and here's the deal. These two feelings destroy community. And the real trouble with that is, like, that's underneath all of us <laughs> at all times. That's in us. I mean, as I was reading those questions, like, well, it depends on who I'm with. I'm either the superior or the inferior. Like, it, does, it just depends on the context. And both of these feelings are always, they're underneath all of us all of the time. And it makes community incredibly difficult. I think of it like this. When I was uh, a pastor in Indiana, uh, there was a... A junior high student who asked his dad, he wanted to make some extra money, and so he told his dad, hey, can I take 
all of the excess like steel, like the metal pipes we have in our house, can I take those and scrap them and, and get money for them? And so his dad said, that's great, do it. Um, and so he did, and he takes his dad into the basement and he says, hey, this pipe, can I take this pipe? It doesn't look like it's being used. And they agreed. And so, uh, so he starts sawing away on this, this pipe, and as he does, uh, the whole basement and house begins to smell like gas. So his dad goes down, and, and actually that pipe was still connected to the gas system. And it's, it's a miracle that, um, that he didn't blow his house up, because as he's sawing away, sparks could fly. I mean, it could have been a disaster. And here's the like you and I, with our constant inferiority, superiority complexes, every time we speak to one another, every time we make a phone call, every time we send an email, it's like there's, there's just sparks that could fly and ruin and blow up community unless we deal with this problem in us of feeling superior or feeling inferior. inferior. And the trouble with that is most communities, they don't give you like a stable identity. It's actually, it's... You're always going to oscillate between the back and, and forth. And so when I think about like one of the most important communities I was, I've been a part of my entire life was my high school golf team. And, uh, and so uh, my junior year, we were playing in our county tournament, which our high school had won like 20 years in a row. And we had won the last year. And the last year, uh, my sophomore year, I actually won the tournament um, as an individual. And our team won as well. And so we're out. We're, we're getting ready to play the tournament again uh, my junior year. We're playing at our, our rival high school, Avon High School's uh, home course, which is it's a country club. And like I'd not, I'm not a golf course designer, but like they put houses like all along the fairway in very tight, like, like, it's, like you just miss a shot a little bit and you're hitting it into a house, which doesn't feel like a, that does not feel like a good move on my part. Um, but, but I get on the range to practice in my first swing and I do, uh, I, sh- I just shank it straight to the right, which in golf, like that's like the worst thing that can happen to you because you you're not always sure why you're doing it, but you can't stop. And so I'm just shanking, and the ball shoots straight to the right, and I can't, my coach comes over, he's like, what are you doing? Like, what, what's happening? And he, he, he's trying to correct me, he can't, the players around me are starting to look at me, we're all freaking out, because we, we're supposed to win this tournament. And I went out, and I shot one of the worst rounds of my life, I hit like five houses, I mean, it was like, I could not figure out my golf swing through the whole, and we get to the end of that round, and it looks like we're probably going to lose the next day, and everyone's angry and frustrated and, you know, kind of sniping at one another. Right, it's inferior. I'm feeling inferior. Like there's no community. The next day we go out. We all play great. I mean, just play. All played incredibly. We come back. We win. And then we're like, we're just trash talking it. We're making fun of our rival high school. Like we just got it all figured out. Like we're the, we've completely forgot what happened the day before. It's completely arrogant. Complete. And that's how most communities work. You're either you're either nailing it, and therefore everyone else is below you, or you can't live up, and you don't want to look at, at your your community in the face. And unless, at last, at the center of the community, you can deal, <laughs> you can deal with that, community is always going to be really difficult. And what we, like the gospel, what the gospel does, why I think this could be a fundamentally different community than any other community you're a part of, is what the, the gospel does two things for us. And Paul says this, in verse 14, Paul says this. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There's two things going on there. One is Paul says, I, can't, I cannot boast, right? That sounds like an inferior complex. But then he says, but in the, in the cross of Jesus Christ. And the cross of Christ is where, where one, our, our, our sinfulness, our brokenness, is dealt with, right? At my best, the Son of God had to die for me. 
Which means, like, how could I ever look at any other human being and put me here and them there? Like, at your best, you, like, the Son of God died for you. Like, you're responsible for, I mean, that's the gospel. You're responsible for the death of Jesus, which should, it should free this place up, all of us up, from ever looking at someone else and thinking they don't belong, they're not good enough, they don't measure up, because, I, like, I, I killed Jesus. So it does away with superiority, but it also does away with inferiority. Because what does Paul say? He doesn't say, you know, I wallow in the cross of Christ. No, he says, let, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I get to boast as a Christian. And boast, I get, the best translation really in, uh, for, for what we do now today, for what boasting is, is trash talking. Right? It's, it's, it's confidence. And so you and I as Christians, like we can't feel superior to anybody because the, the, Jesus was crucified on our behalf. But at the same time, you, listen, you cannot think yourself inferior. You cannot think yourself low. You can boast in the cross of Christ. You can hold your head high, which means this place should be a place of people who, who are not envious, who don't want what other people have, don't need what other people have. We're completely settled in our identity. We have everything we need in, in, in Jesus. We boast in that. But at the same time, even though we have everything we need and we're made whole in Christ, that doesn't put us in a position of superiority to anybody because we, we killed the Son of God. And if, that, like if that's the true, if that's what nourishes the roots of our community, this place will be different than every other place you're a part of. We have a different founding idea than every other community. And it's why I think church planning, what we're doing this, this day, uh, every Sunday, is, is worth it. This is life-altering, important community. So that's point one. Admittedly, it's a little longer. Uh, that's why gospel community is better. So what is it? What is gospel community? What is it? How does Paul begin to give us like, practical imperatives about how we are to live our lives to be this type of community? And in verses 1 through 10, in, in chapter 6, he lays out, I mean, he lays out a lot of things. I'm going to summarize them into four things. Four things we are to be about as a community, to live out the gospel, to work out its implications among us. The first is a church community should be a place of healing gentleness. Listen to verse 1. Uh, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a transgression, in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. A spirit of gentleness. If we lived into this verse as a community, we would be completely countercultural. Because there are two things going on in this verse that our culture just like doesn't, does not like, does not go with. And the first is that this verse calls us to be committed to healing, restoring. Like actually identifying that, that all of us have transgressions and brokenness and sinfulness that are a part of us. And we as Christians, we gather in community to say, I, like I want to be restored from that. I want to be healed from that. And so rather than being a community where, like, you can just do whatever you want, you can live however you want, you can be whoever you want. No, like, we, we're committed to, to reflecting Christ, and so we're committed to, to, like, restoration of the full image of God of every person in this room. Like, our goal as Christians is not to, like, moderately improve. It's to image perfectly Christ. And so we, we're not afraid to point out transgressions or to point out brokenness or flaw, flaws in, in one another. So we're committed to healing, one, but we're committed to gentleness. Gentleness. My two-year-old son, uh, Abel, uh, 
I, so I lovingly refer to him as a bowling ball because um, he, one, he's round. Uh, he's very round. His head, I think, actually is perfectly round. Um, but he's very round. And the other reason is he like, he'll just like fall. He'll fall down things. He'll run into things. He'll trip over things. And then he'll get right back up and be, and he's good. Like, like you can see things like, I think he just broke his arm. And no, he's actually fine. He's, he's running with a fine arm. Um, but there will be other times when like, he won't be, like, he, nothing happened, and he'll just freak out and start screaming, and he'll run to me or to my wife, and he'll hold up whatever's broken, whatever's hurting, and we are, we are to kiss it. And you have to be very precise with your kiss. If you're an inch off, it, will, it does not heal. You have to go back, you have to move that inch, you have to then kiss the right spot, and then he's healed, um, and he's good. And, and it's, like, it's such a powerful, I mean, if you've, ever, you've probably never been in our house with that, but like, it, he goes from screaming and losing his mind to just rolling on down like a bowling ball again. And this is like gentleness heals. Right? Gentleness heals. And if you and I, if we want to be a countercultural community, could we be known for our gentleness? Right? But, uh, listen, gentleness doesn't mean we don't, we don't point out sin or, 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 or transgression or brokenness. But what typically happens in our culture when someone sins or transgresses or is wrong, what, like this, we get the Twitter mob on them, right? We start screaming, we, we, we demonize them, we misrepresent their positions, right? It's, it's, it's not gentleness. What, what if we as a church community were known for our gentleness? I mean, that's our, our founder was known for his gentleness. Matthew 11, Jesus said of himself, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle it's the same word as Galatians 6. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May we be a community of healing gentleness first. The second, um, second thing Paul says about what a gospel community is, it's in verse 2. It's, it's burden sharing. Paul writes, uh, bear one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When I, uh, when I hiked the Grand Canyon, it was, I was in my uh, early 20s, and I had two friends with me. And for some reason, even though they were in far better shape uh, than I was, they loaded me up with the most heavy things. Like, they wanted to bring a stove down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It's like, listen, I'm just going down. I hope I survive. I'm not even going to eat. I'm going to get down. I'm going to get out. Like, that's, that's my plan. But they wanted to bring a stove, and it was really heavy. And so we hiked down. It was good. But on the way back up, like, this thing was just weighing me down. Like, I, I was having a hard time. And and my friends noticed this because they were far superior shape uh, than I was. And, and they come and we, so we put down our packs and we readjusted weight, they did for me, to make my pack easier and their packs heavier so that I could, it's a nine mile hike, like up 5,000 feet. It's not easy. We shifted that weight. And Paul is saying that should be, that should be true of Christian community as well. Like as we, as we do life together, there will be times when the people who are near you have a heavier burden than you have, and you need to take something from them. Which is the complete opposite of how religious communities work. And often, people who are like well-meaning Christians try to make this a religious community and do the mistake religious people do when people are burdened. And Jesus, he, he spoke to this about the Pharisees and the religious leaders. It's a verse I've been thinking a lot about. He was critiquing them. He's angry with them. And he says this about them in Matthew 23, 4. It says, they tie up, the religious leaders, Pharisees, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. 
Jesus says there, there are religious people who will see you not doing well, will see you struggling, will see you, you not making it up the, the canyon. And rather than come and help you, they'll send you an email and just complain to you. They'll, they'll, they'll make a phone call and tell you all the things you're not doing right. And rather than, lift, rather than come to you and say, listen, I can see you're not going to make it up. What can I take from you? You, just, you end that conversation, and it's, you just feel more weighed down than you did when it began. And so just a question for, if you're a Christian, a question for you to ask. Are there any people who you've made it more difficult to follow Jesus? With your expectations, or your, you've, laid, you've put things on them, you've made their walk heavier? Or, more importantly, are there people in your life that it's easier for them to follow Jesus because of you? Christians burden share with one another. Gospel community is a place where when we see flaws or, or brokenness in others, we don't, we, don't, we don't put more in their pack. We take out. We find ways to help. So gospel community is about healing gentleness. It's about burden sharing. Third, it's, it's, it's about humble or needs to have humble self-assessment. And I look, what Paul does here is interesting. Is Verse 2, he says, okay, bear one another's burdens. And then he says this in verse 4 and 5. It sounds like he's completely contradicting himself. He says, uh, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Right? It feels like two completely different things, right? Bear one another's burdens, but hey, everyone, it's every man for himself. Right? Like that's, it sounds like that's what Paul is doing, and it's not what he's doing. In verse 2, he's talking about when someone's struggling around you, when someone is, is not like living out their Christian identity. Like help them. Help them be more Christian. But in verse, so in, in verse 2, he's talking about this life. In verse 5, he's talking about the next life. He's talking about judgment. And when you get to judgment day, what Paul is saying is, like, listen, you have, like, you have to own your walk before God. It's this humble self-assessment. And, and so a strong undercurrent of any gospel community should be each of us taking personal responsibility. Right? No blame shifting. Right, there's a sense in which I need like, you guys to carry my burdens, but also like, I need to have this, this spirit of I own all my own stuff. And I'm going to have to own it before God. And if, if, if we have that spirit, a couple of things happens. One is right, we, don't be, we don't blame shift to other people. Like, it's, it's not your fault for anything that's happening. Um, I mean, that's one side of it. But two, that's another reality where we become more humble because you will not think yourself superior to anybody if you're thinking about yourself standing before the living God, after this life. But I think at the end of the day, it's far easier to encourage someone who feels inferior about their identity in Christ and their forgiveness of the gospel. It's far easier to lift someone up than it is to, to humble someone who feels superior. And so throughout this, the, these 10 verses, Paul is peppering little statements where he's saying, listen, if, you're, if you feel yourself superior, you've got to stop. And so he, I mean, he says a few things. He, he says, um, keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. If anyone thinks he is something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Right? For each one will have to bear his own load. And that verse 5 is clearly pointing to the future judgment. And so while I started with kind of there's two things that destroy community, inferiority and superiority. Let me just be clear. Superiority is worse. Or it's, it's, it's harder to heal. And picturing yourself, understanding we all have to carry our own load before God. We will all stand before God in judgment. It humbles us. 
It slows our judgment, our, our critical spirit, our judging spirit. So gospel community, we, individually we have to be about humble self-assessment. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to have a spirit of, of healing gentleness. And fourth, we need to be a place of zealous generosity. This is how Paul ends uh, the section in verse 10. He says, he says this. He says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul says, like, the spirit that should be true of us as Christians is not that we're going around looking at everyone else and saying, how can I squeeze the goodness out of them for me? But how can I give away the goodness God has shared with me to others? Right, we look for every opportunity to do good to, to everyone. The word community built to give ourselves away, and, and especially to the church. And I'm just going to be straight. Like this, I'm about to begin a self-serving part of the sermon. Okay, So I know what I'm about to say is self-serving. I've acknowledged that. If you don't like what I say, like, listen, it's self-serving. But Paul says this. We preach the Bible, so I'm going I'm to say what Paul says. And what Paul says in verse 6 in particular is that... Um, it says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And what Paul is saying there is, as if there are people in the church uh, who have led and who have taught and who have, have served, do good to them too. Be generous towards, towards them as well. If there are, there are people who have, have helped you along in your Christian life, who have encouraged you, who have pushed you along, don't, don't grab what they've taught and then... And then forget them and leave, but, but give back. Be generous towards those who teach, whether it's someone in your community group, whether it's a church leader, whether, yes, Paul's talking about pastors here. Therein lies the end of the self-serving part of the sermon. <clears throat> but Paul says, too, and zealous generosity means we think, how do we give ourselves away to this community? If, if we spend more, and this is often what happens, if you spend more time thinking about what is this church giving to you Listen, we're never going to give enough. But if you spend more time thinking about what can I give away to this church, to this community, to the people around me, you will find in that a community that is far different, far better. Be zealous in your generosity. Be humble in your self-assessment. Bear the burdens of those around you and be a healing, gentle person. So that's how Paul uh, defines gospel community. So the question is, how? How do we become that? And there's two things uh, I want to say about that, how we become a gospel community. And the first, and I've already sort of spoken to this, but the first is you have to understand that it is your job, it is your responsibility to build this community. The gospel message that we've been preaching through this entire series is not, hey, I got into heaven, and I'm saved, and it's over, and that's the end of the story. No, the, the gospel story is that Jesus saves us all of grace through faith, and then he, he's ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's unleashed the Spirit into the church community to go into good to the entire world and to one another, and to create a community that's very different than the community that exists outside the walls of the church or in this world. And that's why Paul ends this section on the gospel, this letter on the gospel, not by saying, who cares what you do from now on, but, but ends actually with a lot of imperatives, a lot of, okay, now that you believe the gospel, you need to do this, you need, you need to heal gently, you need to share one of those burdens, you need to be generous to those around you, you need to have a humble self, like there's imperatives all over these verses, and if we're going to be a gospel community, it's going to be because every person in this room says, it's my job to build that. And listen, if... 
Do you understand how badly our world needs gospel community? Like, do you, do you have a burden for a sense of how people experience this world without Jesus? Do you understand how badly people need gospel community, need a gospel church? Not a religious church, not an ear, like a gospel church. I'm not, that over the last year, like that has become like relevant and important to me and to my family in ways that I had not yet, I'd never understood or experienced. And many of you know, we learned our son has, uh, has muscular dystrophy and that was that was a hard thing to learn, and the reality was, like, that, that just, my pack that I was carrying around got loaded up pretty heavy. And so I walk into Trail Ridge every Sunday, and there's not a lot of spare room in that pack, at least over the last year, there hasn't been. And through, through so many ways, my wife and I have experienced people through, through little text messages, through taking us out to dinner, through watching our kids so we can have dates. They've taken little things out of our pack so we could walk and go. And so like, as a church planner, as a pastor, like, you think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant this church because I have a burden for other people to experience the gospel community. And the reality is, in the last year, I've needed it. Right? And so it, the reason why we all have to know like, this is our community to build is because there's times when the pastors, they don't have, like, we don't have, I don't have much to give. Or I, don't, I can't be the one who, who builds it. And on top of that, over the last year, we have learned what a community means. And when we go to spaces, whether it's Facebook groups, whether it's, it's people who are walking through the same story our family is walking through now, I, when I see those families and I hear their experiences, I can tell so often they do not have a gospel community around them. Right? They're not, no one's carrying their burden with them. And they're weighed down, they're worn out. That not everyone gets to experience this. And so first, thank you that I get to, I mean, there are a lot of pastors who don't experience the gospel in their community, in their church, and I have, and I thank you for that. But two, it's why what we're doing here, week in, week out, is so important, like life-altering important. There are people around us in our neighborhoods who are drowning, <laughs> who've never heard of a God who would lift them up and cause them to boast in the, Christ, the, the cross of Christ who do not have a community of people around them, who heal them gently, who share their burdens, who, who, who walk life with them. What we are doing here is, is so important. And the only way it happens, the only way we build a lasting gospel community here is if every person in this room says, that's my job. That's my responsibility. And whatever part you play, it's your job to build that kind of community here. So that, that's one one how, but the other how is we can, we can never forget who started this community, right? The only way we can be a community where, like, no one's inferior, no one's superior is, is if, like, actually the person who started us had no inferiority towards others and had no superiority to others. And, and just for a minute, like, imagine a community, a group of people where no one ever felt better than anyone else. Like, imagine how that community would speak to one another, how they would interact with one another, what those phone calls would be like, what those texts would be like, what those early morning coffees would be like. Imagine a community where no one ever felt superior to anyone else. And more importantly, imagine a community where no one ever walked in here and felt like they couldn't fit in, like they wouldn't be loved or accepted, like, the, like the, whatever's wrong or broken in them, we wouldn't say, let us help you heal that, let us be gentle toward you and restore you. Like imagine a community where everyone walks in and they're boasting 
in Christ and they've been humbled by the gospel. You only get a place like that if your founder is like that. And, and Jesus was like that. I mean, Jesus never, like he never, he never envied or lacked anything. Every time he walked into a room, he had more than everybody else. Right? He, had, he was the son of God. He had experienced the glory of God from eternity. He had everything he needed. And yet, he never walked into a room and looked down on others, thumbed his nose at other people. No. He took his privileges, he emptied them out, and he went to a cross. The one who had everything, who lacked nothing, gave it up so that you and I could share, as Paul said a few weeks ago, could share in his inheritance, could share in his wealth and his riches and his glory. And our community is founded on him. And it is his gospel, and this is his community. Let's pray. Father, we, we give you thanks that you are a God who sent your son, who came into this world, and God lacks nothing, wants to raise us up to the heavens, wants us to give a, give a reason to boast. And yet, God, he humbled himself to death, even death on the cross, that we might, we might come and taste that goodness. And so, God, as we... As we as we worship together, as we pray together, as we take communion together, God, would you, would you make this place not simply like a nice place where we hang out and read a book together and laugh together and eat together, although we want to do all those things, God, would at the root of everything we do be the gospel, and would everything we say, live out, and act, God, would it be an expression of the gospel in words and breath and life, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.